After being picked to win the division in the preseason, Nebraska's season didn't go as expected, failing to reach a bowl game for the third straight season. As eyes turn to recruiting and the offseason, what change will be in store for the Huskers before the 2020 season begins? We'll try to answer those questions and recap the 2019 season with our special guest, Michael Bruns from 24-7 Sports. Sean Callahan will have the latest on Big Red Recruiting. It's all coming up next on NET's Big Red Wrap-Up. Hi everyone, I'm Michael Severe. Welcome to NET's Big Red Wrap-Up. Another year with no bowl, but don't worry. We're going to recap the whole season. We will fill in the time. Normally we would talk about a bowl. Former Oscar Jay Moore joining us, Sean Callahan from the Rivals Network. You experienced this in 2004. Mm-hmm. What are they missing out on what you guys missed out in 2004 not going over? Yeah, um, just some fun times. They really are. I mean, you, you get to work on your craft. Obviously you get better at football with those 15 extra practices, but it's, you get rewarded. Um, you get... You get to go to, you know, I experienced uh, San Antonio, Dallas. You know, you get to go to some fun places. You get all the the, the gifts, the swag, all right. that stuff. Um, but you get an opportunity to get better at football. You get you get rewarded. Um, instead, I know after 2004, we we had to, uh, <laughs> we were right back in the weight room and running and working out. Um, and that was the first time in 36 years. Yes, and, they had to go to a bowl. And, and Coach Callen punished. He punished. He's like, this isn't happening again. And if we can't get 15 practices in. We're going to get better. And we lifted and ran four times a week. Um, I, I, I really remember throwing up in the weight room during that time because wasn't, there wasn't no easy workouts to put it that way. Um, he, he, he put us to the ringer and just said, hey, get, don't get used to this. We're going to get better from this. And I didn't, you know, I made the, we made the bull the next two years, but um, you just got to get rewarded. You get rewarded for those things, but if not, hopefully they're in there getting better in the weight room right now too. Well, yeah, and the practices are, are one thing. Everyone will agree that, you know, you get that extra time, the young guys, and, and, and they're kind of pressure-free practices. And I think that's what's different about bowl practices that happen in Lincoln. Um, you know, you, you can kind of put your feet up a little bit, try some things, have some fun. Uh, but like Jay said, I think just the experience of the bowl is so big. And, I, you know, when they find out what their bowl gift is, mm-hmm. uh, when they find out how much per diem money they're going to get. I, I know, um, you know, the, the game in San Francisco, because it was such a big city, the players remember that year got like these massive like twelve hundred dollar per diem. I mean something crazy. Right. And I mean, and they had a video of how excited. I mean, just because some of these guys don't get to go to places like that ever in their life, and um, for them to get to go on those trips and just and see how much fun they have, the coaches' families get to go. I mean, there's a lot of that that you know mm-hmm. I think you really miss. And you know, for you know, guys in the media, we've gone three years in a row even, and, and that's rare. Yeah. I guess the the one benefit is we're home with our families for Christmas, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and we have small I have small kids, so yeah. I mean that's the only benefit I guess I have not being in a bowl. Now there is a bit of a benefit because of the early signing day. Now this allows them to get on the road, not really have to necessarily worry about putting together bowl practices. If you're looking for a positive, Nebraska's got these two. Well, had these two weeks to be able to prepare for next week. Yeah, and and you know if you played in a conference championship game, which you know there there were quite a few teams that did last Saturday, um, they only really had have one full week now to, to do in-home visits. So you get about six or seven days of in-homes and one visit weekend before the early signing day. Um, so in some ways, you're at a disadvantage if you're in a conference title game uh, because of the way the calendar falls, especially this year where there's one less week because we got that week during the year with that extra bye week, the way the calendar kind of uh, was, was this year with the later right. Thanksgiving. Yeah, look, I know the answer to this question. I'm going to ask you anyway. Okay. So Nat, uh, Nash Hutmiker mm-hmm. decided that they were going to go hunting, yep. right, on his official home visit. What would your official home visit been if it was now Jay Moore coming out of Elkhorn? <laughs> well, I I golf, to, right? I knew we were going to be golfing. <laughs> I didn't play golf when I was coming out, and I didn't play golf until right. I got to college. Um, I I remember I had Coach, uh, Coach Dan Young and Coach Solich. They came right in home. We just had dinner, and right. I think we hung out for a couple hours. And they knew they they didn't have to sell me a whole lot. And we had to do a whole, you know for me I was I was signed, sealed, and delivered at that point. But most definitely we would if Scott Frost come to my house now we're we're going we're golf. Somewhere. I know he he would be excited to do that as well. Just as he's, you know shooting some shooting some pheasants as well. No doubt about that. As we continue, of course, our discussions, we want to hear from you. The boys from Phi Kappa Theta are with us. One final time to help take your calls. They are enjoying some Valentino's pizza, as you see there. Our NET Sports intern, Hannah, is also there with the guys trying to keep them in line. If you prefer to email or text, you can do so. BigRed at netnebraska.org. Of course, our eyes on social media as well, so you can tweet to us. You can leave a Facebook comment. We'll check on those as well and make sure we get as many as we can in tonight's show. Last week, we asked you, should there be an open competition for quarterback spot in the offseason? <laughs> 
course, 97% said yes, there should be an open competition. And of course, Adrian Martinez's mom and uncle and uh, no, they 3% basically said no. Uh, here's this week's all new sideline survey. Do you think Nebraska improved from 2018 to 2019? Well, of course, they won an extra game, right? So you look at that. Uh, just don't see the results in the win column. Yes, five wins is more than four. And no, still a losing season right now. Yes, just don't see results in the win column. So they feel it is a better season. Do you believe 2018, uh, they made progress from 2019? Gosh, it's hard. I had this discussion with a few people last week. and Yes and no. Um, it's tough because they still lost. What was their Achilles heel last year? Losing close games. You couldn't, they couldn't find ways to win. Kind of similar, similar situation this year. You, you give up the leads um, in Colorado, you know, the Purdue game, the Indiana game this year. Um, but you can say, you know what, they didn't know how to win a game late against, against um, Illinois. Mm-hmm. When you give up four turnovers, like, okay, this team's learned how to win and getting over some humps and some bumps in the road. Um, I think defensively, uh, some people might disagree. I think they improved a little bit defensively just in, in, in getting used to this 3-4 scheme. I think offensively, they took a step back. Um, and obviously, there's some, there's some weapons that, they're, that weren't there that were there last year's. O-line has their own issues. Um, Adrian has some injuries and his own, his own issues. But overall, it's, it's, it's tough to say. But, yeah, I mean, they improved a little bit. But, um, you know, not, not as much as I'd like to see going from year one to year two um, with Scott Frost and this new system. We certainly, none of us expected a five and seven season or to be like this. But if there's, a, if there's something you can look back on, you can look the defense stood up better against Wisconsin and Iowa. Two big concerns coming for 2018. Yeah, I really felt like they only got pushed around twice. I mean, Minnesota and Ohio State, and those, as we've learned, were, were top 10 caliber teams. Um, and Ohio State, obviously, is a playoff team. But, yeah, you, you look at within the, the division with Wisconsin and Iowa, Nebraska held strong. I mean, they, they held their own against both teams. Wisconsin didn't have a run longer than 20 yards, I believe, in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a lot of seven, eight, nine-yard runs, but that was without Darian Daniels. That was without Carlos Davis, two of your four best defensive linemen. Um, so that was respectable. And then Iowa, you know, had the two big plays, but after that, they really didn't do much. In fact, they almost had to abandon the run at times and, and throw more than they probably wanted to throw um, against Nebraska in that game. So. That was a positive, but you know it's the little things that continue to haunt Nebraska, and those little things right now obviously are big when it comes to the wins and the losses. You know, we, we talk so much about how one or two plays make a difference. We're watching the Colorado highlight a second ago. That flea flicker isn't completed. I mean, it literally could have changed the entire season. Maybe it doesn't, but all of a sudden they don't score on that. Nebraska keeps them down there. They go down and score. That game's over, and maybe the field of the season is different. Uh- I would I would agree wholeheartedly with you, and even maybe if Cam Taylor is able to get them down to fifty, right. and they they kick a field goal, you hold them to three points. Nebraska goes four and zero into Ohio State. You know they still come out four and one, but you still have the momentum mm-hmm. and the the vibe, and that was that was a gut punch. That was a gut punch to me, the fans, even even the Scott Frost, because you you went into that game with so much hype uh, because of how that game ended up last year with um, you know the injury to Adrian Martinez. They thought that was a dirty play and used the momentum, mm-hmm. and they were talking. Nebraska talked a, a lot going into that game, and you walk out with a loss, and you're just like, man. And they took um, over that stadium. Yeah, that's the biggest thing too. Yeah, you had over fifty thousand plus fans in that in that in that stadium. I mean. You're up seventeen nothing. You can't you can't uh, you can't control that game in the second half, and all of a sudden you're th- you're three and one. You get Ohio State, and you get the hype going to that game day. That, yeah, yeah, that that tumbled down you. I I agree that that could definitely that game right there was probably the you want to asterisk that the the changing of you know the momentum of the season that might have been it right there. I think when we look back at 2019, the memory of that stadium being almost completely red, besides their student section. I think I'm going to take that with me. For the rest of my life, it was. I remember having goosebumps and the Husker Power chant overtakes their Go Buffs chant. I mean, that was one of the best memories of the season. Well, Colorado people were were speechless, and Dave Plotty, the longtime media relations mm-hmm. guy there, he couldn't see below him where everyone was at, and he just could see the other side. He's like, "Man," he goes, <laughs> "It wasn't that bad." And I showed him a picture of the other side that he couldn't see, and he kind of was speechless at that point, right? Uh, because it's unheard of. I asked Bill Moose during the Ireland press conference on the side, I go, did you ever talk to Rick George about that deal? And yeah. he's like, next time I see Rick, I'm going to say, you know, you owe me because I, I probably covered a couple of your non-revenue sports yep. with my fans coming out there, uh, our Husker fans coming out yeah. to that game. And yeah. They broke a record for concessions. 
They'd never sold that many concessions before because Nebraska fans were there. And they couldn't keep, I mean, it was $9 beers in that yep. stadium, and they, they, they were running out. I mean, it was hard. Yeah, it was, mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like that. And, you know, then Colorado, I mean, they charged the field, and it, it wasn't students on the field. It was adults. Yes. And they were taunting the Nebraska fans, the players. Yeah. It, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, if you win that game, I think it just has a whole different feel. Yeah. I, I told the story. We were up the top level, so that's where all the coaches are. And the Nebraska coaches come out after the game, and of course their heads are down, and Mario Verduzco's walking by, and I just said, sorry, coach, and he said, sit down. The Colorado coaches came out yelling and screaming and taking pictures of the field. It showed you the intensity they still have for not just winning, for beating Nebraska. Mm-hmm. It means more to them, maybe even than maybe Nebraska it means for Nebraskans. Yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy because you, you see the, 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 the fans there, but in just the history, I mean, that's, that, that, was, that was the rivalry game for – um, 20 some years, you know, and, and when you switched over from the Big Eight to the Big Twelve, um, even before that in the Big Eight, that was a, that was a big time rivalry sure. game. Um, I know people want to talk about the Oklahoma, but that was that was a hated rivalry you had. The Oklahoma game you respected, Colorado you hated, um, and yes, that's that's obviously that's that's still there. They have that. It's just frustrating because you know, you know, Nebraska did run their mouth a little little bit going to that game. Um, they played so. That's the frustrating. They played so well in that game. The defense played fast and physical. You give it that one play, and the momentum just completely switches. And again, like I said for many times on the show, the inability to keep momentum, capture momentum when it comes back to your side. That that's one that um, it, it crept up in Nebraska a little too much for that game. Another memory shot from the season is Ohio State. They get out to the quick start. Nebraska goes on that double wing. They're running some option. People are going nuts. Crowds going, and then the interception with a guy laying on the ground catching the ball. Another one of those momentum swinging of the season. Well, and Ryan Day had to take, like, the basketball coach timeout. He did. He, he came out there. He's yeah. like, no, give me a choice. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, the, it was like everyone was like, yeah, we got him confused. Yep, <laughs> you <know>? yeah, right. <laughs> and Ohio State at that moment hadn't shown much weakness to anybody at that point, and you were driving right down the field, and we didn't see that formation again, the double wing. Yep. Did, we, did we even really ran one. I remember one play later in the season they ran. So, yeah, DJ. Dedrick Mills yep. at Illinois, mm-hmm. he runs better under center. I mean, that was kind of a, a thing that he was better at, I thought, at times. And you didn't see it again. Um, I think that was more confusing, how much success you had that you only ran at that one time. I mean, would that have worked against Iowa in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. uh, when you couldn't get things rolling? Or would Iowa have just pushed you back because they see that type of stuff every day in practice? I mean, it's hard yeah. to say. I, I think one of the things that we can look at, uh, Steve Sipple always talks about last year was 5.6 yards a carry. That was the thing that Nebraska needed to fix. You have to admit, the, the run defense, the way they played all season long, the way they brought things down, that, that's one of the big positives. Yeah. Defense, they played, you know, I think at times, they, again, just, just, they didn't make stops when they need to to win football yes. games. I think people look at that, and, and it's very frustrating. But overall, they improved vastly. Um, up front, they played pretty dang good, pretty physical. I, I try to, you know, the biggest thing is how you physically up front and they did not get pushed around. I know the Minnesota game probably sticks out of people's mind. Up front, they were okay. They did okay. They did good enough. I'll put it that way. The linebackers got um, a little wishwash, and they were seeing they were seeing ghosts um, as that's become the fun saying uh, this year. Um, it, but they play physical. They fought um, in a game where if you go back and watch the Iowa game last year, Nebraska's defense got pushed around and out physical all game. You didn't see that against Iowa. You didn't see that against Wisconsin. Um, that, that, that's, that's good to see, and that's what you can build on. You can build on that now. You, get, you throw a couple more pieces of that puzzle. You keep that foundation of playing physical, solid football. You get some more athletes in there, some little more speed, and that's when you really start taking off. Sean Kerr Peterson on Facebook says, what improvements did we see from last season? What position has the biggest need moving forward? Let me give you two. Is it wide receiver? Or is it outside linebacker slash pass rush? Yeah, I think when you just look at recruiting, those really are two of the biggest things they're going after right now for immediate help. Big body, physical type receivers, whether that's Omar Manning, and we'll talk about him later, mm-hmm. or Xavier Betts um, you know, from Bellevue West, are all the different edge guys. I mean, it's like they went out and said, let's find every 6'3", 240-pound guy that can rush a quarterback mm-hmm. in the junior college ranks, and we're going to offer almost all of them and bring them in. And, you know, that, that's kind of been the theme of recruiting here down the stretch. And it's been hard to follow because there's so many new things that have popped up here um, as far as edge rushers. And, you know, I, I felt like that was an issue a year ago, though. I felt like when you looked at the roster coming into the next this, this year, I didn't see who was going to be the guy that was going to get to the quarterbacks. Yeah. And, you know, they 
I don't know. I don't know if they thought it was going to be Alex Davis or Tyron Ferguson or Caleb Tanner, um, but they just didn't get the edge play. Um, and they probably, you know, looking back, would have liked to maybe have found a, a junior college guy that would have worked. But maybe there just wasn't a guy that they they felt could have played immediately last year. And they got turned down by a few guys. And right? the, yeah, they went after. I mean, they, there's always going to be two or three JUCO guys that all the SEC teams and all the Big 12 teams. Mm-hmm. Nebraska's one of the few Big 10s that will recruit JUCOs because uh, they're one of the few academically that will probably allow JUCOs into their school. Right. Um, so, you know, you're going to get those SEC teams, though, and obviously Pac-12 teams at times, but it, it gets very competitive once you get in for that top, top JUCO guy that everybody wants. Is it pass rush for you as well or outside guys as yeah, well? I just, yeah, I thought Caleb Tanner was going to be that guy coming off the edge for us this year, get another year of playing, another year of – uh, strength conditioning in his belt. He just wasn't consistent. Alex Davis wasn't consistent. That's some just, moments yeah, from Caleb, though, right? Yeah, no, he did. I, I mean, you look at that rush. Uh, you go back to the Illinois game. Uh, last second play, Illinois has a ball. I think we get the pick off of it. or mm-hmm. incomplete. I mean, he has a beautiful rush. Spin moves, speed. I mean, that was like, whoa. Yeah. You know, where's that? And I, I know it's, you know they're throwing it, but still, you you can play, you know, the 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 type of football where you can get yourself in that position to rush the passer, but... Uh, Absolutely. In the 3-4 defense, you have to create. You get your three guys up front, which I think they do have on this roster. You have to get speed on the outside. You, you can, it just makes the, the protections. You can, start, um, you can start forcing protections certain ways to get matchups. A guy on a tight end, a guy on a, on a running back. Um, and just, this year, they, just, they didn't have to worry about anything like that. They're like, okay, let's, let's kind of shore up the middle. And, you know, JoJo Doman wasn't rushing the passer. Alex Davis was inconsistent. Caleb was inconsistent. Tyron Ferguson is not on the football team anymore. Yeah. Um, 100%. You got to get some speed and athleticism come off the edge to get those, those tackles and tight ends backtracking as fast as possible. So much debate from Husker fans about whether they should run a 4 3 or 3 4. I was reading some stuff about Ohio State and where they're struggling with their pass rush. They struggle the most against 30 fronts. They really struggle not knowing where that extra pass rush is coming from. You can do some things. They just got to get bodies. Blaze Gunnerson, one of those guys you think can come in, maybe contribute early? Yeah, Blaze Gunnerson, no doubt. I mean, he might be the number one guy in Iowa. He's just battled injuries. Yeah. And he's a Western Iowa guy, so Western Iowa guys don't get a lot of run in, in their state rankings. Uh, but he's in U.S. Uh, he, or he's, he's in the All-American Bowl, and I mean, he's highly touted. So uh, he's got the motor, the attitude that you want. But I think the key is finding guys that you can develop and turn into those guys. I mean, you look at Wisconsin, very few of those guys were outside linebackers in high school. Mm-hmm. They, they were quarterbacks or you know, different positions that they, they groomed into those players. Right. And you know, that's the thing about this part of the country. There aren't that many true outside linebacker type pass rushers that play outside linebacker pass rusher in high school. They're typically a guy that you got to project and you got to develop. Mm-hmm. And that's where Wisconsin, that's where Iowa has had Nebraska beat. They find guys, they project, they develop. Their fans don't question it. Where I feel like here, if you take a guy like that, you get more heat from the fans right. because the ranking's not there. The offers aren't there. And, you know, they're like, oh, we're reaching on a guy. We can't take this guy because he's got no offers from any other teams. And he's a two-star guy that no one wants. Well, Iowa and Wisconsin, they don't get that pressure from their fan bases. They find that guy. They take that guy. Yeah. And, you know, typically, you know, it turns into a wad or somebody that, you know, people really weren't expecting yeah. to be that type of player. Well, remember Eric Martin. Mm-hmm. Eric Martin wasn't a pass rusher when he came here. The final year when they made him, when they said, caveman, go get the pass rusher, he went and got a pass rusher. Demari Williams was a pass rusher. Another great, great example, yeah. You know, Undersized in, in, in 03. You know. Lini kind of yeah, gets you got you got to find some guys. I mean, Demario, they said, let's try him out. And he just had to get off. The speed. He had one rush. That was a speed. You know, he didn't have any counters or nothing. He had right. flat out, he could get off the ball, and that's what Nebraska needs uh, to find um, a dude that can do that. Sounds good. All right, we got to take a break. We come back. More discussion, of course. Uh, we're joined by 24-7 Sports' Michael Brunt to continue our discussion. Before we go to break, though, images of the season that was, courtesy of Hale Varsity. Stay with us. We're back soon. It's coming, and I think people recognize that. Welcome back to Big Red Wrap-Up. I'm Michael Severe, Jay Moore, Sean Callahan, our special guest from 24-7 Sports, Michael Bruns. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Biggest surprise for you 
Because, I mean, we felt a lot of stuff in August and September. Biggest surprise to all those highlights you saw? Just the, the missed opportunities to me is the biggest thing. I mean, you go back and look at you know the first the way Nebraska played in that first half against Colorado. You felt great about you know going into the second half. You missed that game, uh, the Purdue game. They're just begging you to win that game, and, and you don't get it done. So it, that thing to me was just you know you had your chances. That team I think was better than five and seven, yeah. and. Uh, you're, you're home in December, kind of having to wonder what if again, and and that's uh, that's the biggest thing. Biggest thing to me was just the the inability to close those games out. Offense, defense, is there a place to place to blame? I, I think the equal share. I mean, special teams is probably part of that for sure. Um, you know, I, I think uh, going into the season, we all expected the offense was going to carry the day mm-hmm. um, and give the defense uh, time to come along and. I thought the defense really acquitted itself pretty nicely all season. I mean, they didn't get pushed around by Wisconsin and Iowa. Uh, the Ohio State game was unfortunate, but uh, the, the biggest surprise to me was just, you know, the, the offense never really got going at all um, and enough to, to really lift Nebraska to what they needed to, to do to, to get those wins. Obviously, we got the recruiting and early signing period next week. We asked these guys, but what's the one spot you think that needs to get fixed through recruiting to help next year? Well, I think you need to find immediate help uh, at edge rusher, uh, outside linebacker, defensive end. I I don't know that right now with who you've got coming back, there's somebody that you could point to and say, this guy's going to give us eight, nine sacks just you know based on ability alone without having to scheme it up. So That's bigger uh, than wide receiver? I, I think so. I mean, uh, you'd love to have a big body wide receiver in Nebraska is obviously trying to find that, but uh, just in terms of, of need that, that wasn't even addressed last year, um, I, I think you've got to find somebody – that you can put on your roster for the spring, maybe even in the summer, uh, that you can count on to be a difference maker on defense in the pass rush. Because I, I, that, that, to me, is what's the biggest missing piece for that group going into next year. Once the signing day happens, the next eight months, we'll be talking about quarterbacks, right? Um, do you believe that we're going to have an open competition throughout the spring and the fall? Yes and no. I, uh, part of that kind of depends, I think, on kind of what Adrian's health is. Um, it, you know, I, I think he was probably fighting through a lot more than, than maybe what we were uh, led to believe or, or maybe what we were able to see. Um, I, I think there will be uh, an opportunity for Luke McCaffrey and Noah Vedrill and, and even Logan Smothers coming in to, uh, you know, really get in there uh, and fight for their position on that depth chart. At the same time, I think Adrian Martinez is your leader in the clubhouse. Uh, he's been your starter for two years. I think it's really going to take something from those three other guys uh, in a big way during the spring to supplant him, uh, even if there is an open competition. Taking it off the field, Sean, because we always hear Luke McCaffrey is such a great leader and the guys really like him. How much do you think that's going to go into this whole process? Well, I think there's a big army of those young guys right now. When you look at how young this roster is, and particularly those true freshmen, I mean, that's the biggest group on the roster right now. Um, and you add the walk-ons, it's even bigger. Um, I think there's a lot of guys already in this team that respect Luke, his approach, his attitude, how he goes about his business. He's very humble yet confident, um, and he's backed it up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key among keys is, you know, you can be confident, but if you don't back it up, it doesn't matter. He's confident, and he backs it up, and that's going to give him a lot of credibility here throughout this process. Not, not that Scott Frost would lose the team, but how important is it as a player – that you see that this competition is open, that you know that everybody had a chance? Yeah, I think it's very important. I, th- I think you come into spring ball in every position, you're saying this thing is it's up for grabs. It's, we're, we got to get better. You, you got to let them know that we, this is, nothing's going to be handed to you um, just because you played X amount of snaps or started X amount of games the year before um, that this, this position is given, that everyone needs to earn their spot for 2020. Um, Adrian needs to earn a spot. Diedrich Mills needs to earn a spot. Uh, Hymas needs to earn a spot. Uh, you just go down the list. I mean, Ben Stilling needs to earn a spot. Um, there's going to be a lot of, defensively, you know, Will Honus needs to earn a spot. There's a lot of young guys coming behind him. There's, I think every, every position gra- uh, spot is up for grabs. Um, I just, it just shows you um, that, listen, it's, there's got to be a sense of urgency at getting better within this football team. And I think that's one way you achieve that. That's the way you achieve it. You know, the, the quickest way possible is just putting everyone on high alert and saying, hey, it's not tomorrow, it's, it's today. Everyone's getting better today. And you, you put them on alert by doing that, I think. Who's your defensive MVP on this team this year? I, I think Darian Daniels. I mean, I, I just think that he, what he brought to that defense, they, they'd been lacking the, the last few years. That guy at the point of attack who... 
you knew could stand up against uh, you know what Wisconsin or Iowa was going to throw at them. And you know you, you saw as the year went along, it, it was almost you know the, the first group would get two series and then they'd go to the second team for a series. Uh, by the end of the year, yeah. it, it was a, a lot of Darian Daniels and uh, the, the Davis twins. So I, I just think you know from what he did on the field, from a from a leadership point of view. I just think he really uh, was kind of the, the ultimate grad transfer that you could have hoped for when he came to Nebraska. You talk to scouts, they love Lamar Jackson. And yeah. they love the play he had this year. I would say oh, you know, Darian and then a very close second or kind of 1A, 1B would have been Lamar. I mean, I think some of the – the one play he made that really got my attention, there was a time where you know he was outnumbered and he still got his arm up and, like, tackled the guy in the leg. I mean, that, that's a play scouts are going to look at and be like, you know, that saved uh, – 20, 30-yard play by him kind of just knocking the guy on the ground um, with with his one arm. But his ball-hawking ability, his tackling improved. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot about Lamar um, where you know, he definitely earned respect um, and he earned money. I mean, there's no doubt oh, yeah. he's going to get drafted. Um, he's in the Shrine game, is that right? Yep. Um, and I thought maybe he'd have a shot at the I Senior I thought maybe Bowl. the Senior Bowl, yeah. Um, and, you know, depending on who opts out and are in, he, he might get a call up to the Senior Bowl. It's hard to say. I was actually surprised Darian Daniels did not get a call up to at least the Shrine Bowl. He's in the, the third game, right? Yep. Yeah. He's in the, uh, in the NFLPA NFL yeah. game. Yeah. That, that third yeah. game always changes. I feel like the Shrine and the Senior are always yeah. locked, and there's kind of a rotating yeah. third game. of. I, I think as good as, good as we saw Darian play, he's still a guy who's had injuries doesn't have a whole bunch of really starts even at Oklahoma State. So, I mean, there's still a big question mark about his endurance, you think? Uh, potentially. It's, and, again, he fits into the 3-4 mold. Um, not everyone runs a 3-4 sure. in the NFL. you got to fit into that. I um, mean, he's just – you're kind of you're, – you're pigeonholed. In, 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 a, in the NFL, it's always, uh, you know – what what you can do, you know, adding more tools to your toolbox. What I mean, he's not a third down pass rusher. He's a first and second down guy, and those mainly play in within the three four defense. Those are your 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 guys that play at zero one techniques. You might be able to play a shade in, in a four three. Um, I believe Oklahoma State was a four three team mm-hmm. um, while he was there. So you could obviously he's had a bunch of snaps doing that. It's just okay. What's his value? Does he bring? Is it enough value to only have him for a couple snaps? Probably not. Um, so he's going to be a guy that's going to be down the down the board a little further, and, and maybe you know five, six, round seven. But he's going to get a shot. Let's, he's going to get a shot, and that's all you can ask for. You know, they love upside. Mm-hmm. That's what they love a lot in the draft. Uh, there's a lot of questions, and Jack asked the question of Elkhorn. What's the status of Maurice Washington? Do we have any idea? Is he still on campus? Is he still a student? Do we know if he still has a chance to come back? So kind of in a holding pattern right now. Um, I, I expect we'll probably get an update uh, this coming week from Scott Frost about maybe where that stands with him. He kind of left a, a very small crack uh, in the door to maybe come back to the team, but I, I'd still kind of say that's probably a long shot at this point. When people ask about the portal with him, why is he not in the portal? Um, I think with the pending legal situation that he has, like, I mean, no, nobody's going to touch him until that's behind him. So if he wants to leave Nebraska and go to the transfer portal, if that's the road he goes, I don't think he can really do that until the situation in California settles. Yeah. How much um, attrition are you guys expecting? We've already saw a couple guys, Isaiah Stallbird's going to go in there, Bunchy's leaving, a couple guys that had to leave because of suspension. But what are you expecting in terms of attrition over these next couple weeks? I think it'll be kind of quiet. Um, you know, maybe a guy or two more. Uh, I think with the, the numbers situation and the number of guys in the portal right now, there's just not a lot of landing spots for these guys, especially you know if they're wanting to go to the Power Five level. Right. Um, you know, I, I think you'll probably see more uh, after the spring um, once guys kind of figure where they're at uh, on the depth chart. I have another spring to uh, try to move up and, and you know get a, a better read on where they're at for 2020. But I, I think probably the next couple of weeks, maybe get another guy or two. But uh, I, I would expect more, much more action in the spring when uh, portal season starts. And those are the four guys we're talking about. Andrew Bunch, who of course, has another year left. Isaiah Stalbert, who was the leading tackler on special teams. And then Andre Hunt and Katerian Legrone are both suspended for two and a half years by the Title IX investigation. So those four guys are gone, but we're obviously going to see more. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of it, too, I mean, you look at the portal, we learned about a lot of it in year one. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of guys are going to realize, you know what, like, there's no guarantee, and I'm gambling $100,000 or whatever your scholarship is valued at if I put my name in this thing because the minute you do it, Huskers.com, Nebraska, they pull you off the roster, you're done. You can't come back to Nebraska if you, if you, do, if you go that route. I mean, that's one you know, thing Scott Frost has been very strong about. So uh, I think it's a deal where 
you know, if you walk into that office and say, I want to go on the portal, you better have a pretty good plan B in line um, because, you know, a lot of these guys that did that a year ago, um, you know, did not really get what they wanted, maybe other than some of those guys that went to Oregon State. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the portal wasn't actually around yet at that point. You know, when Jebbia left, I yep. think the portal in that. Right at the end. It, it didn't start. It didn't start until, was it October 1st? At least I remember it popped up, and I think Greg Bell was one of the first guys, wasn't he? That was actually on the portal from Nebraska. I yeah, and he was he was trying to kind of slide out with the four game mm-hmm. deal and and try to maybe go to Oregon State too. But yeah. obviously that didn't work out for him. That's another thing. Going into the season, all the things we thought we knew, <laughs> so many of them we had no idea. Greg Bell's one of them. I and mean, remember, he was, that's just last year. Right. Well, and it, I, I was kind of laughing the other day, remembering what Bill Moose said at Big Ten Media Day oh, yeah. about the the six win thing, and everybody was like, "Well, what? six wins. I mean, right. come on." But. Uh, he was right. So, I yeah. mean, you, you got to get those bowl practices, and I guess uh, Bill knew what he was talking about. Yeah, he knew what he was talking about. There's no doubt about it. In terms of the signing class that's coming up, do you have a figure or a number on you guys think we're going to end up having by February? Well, 26 is the most they can take, but you got to hold a couple spots for the portal. I mean, I think they would like to be close to 20 on Wednesday um, and maybe two or three spots after that and then two or three for the portal. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good pretty good number. It's, it's tough. I mean, once you get past January, it's such a small number of prospects. I think Nebraska found that last year where everybody's going for that small group of Lake guys. And Mike Norvell, those guys right. are going to be going after whatever's All left. these new coaches that, that basically had one week to recruit before the December signing period. It's going to be wild uh, in, in January. But I, I think probably 20, uh, 20 to 23, somewhere in there. Uh, if they get a few more yeses maybe than what they're expecting. Give me a young guy off the defensive line that got a chance to play a little bit maybe in the Maryland game that you need, you think can make a big jump next year. I'm a, I mean, I, I just watched him play in the Wisconsin game, a few snaps, Ty Robinson. Yeah. Um, I liked, I mean, for him to be thrown in there against um, arguably one of the best offensive lines in the nation and him hold up his own. He was in there with some goal line plays. Um, he was stout. He was stout. And that's an 18-year-old kid, 19-year-old kid. I would have got murdered if I was in that situation when I was 18, 19 years old. Um, that was very impressive to see. I think you can build on that. Um, again, he's, he provides some good um, staples of that 3-4 defense. Now you, you get those outside edge rushers with him holding up the middle. Um, it, could, it could be really something special. That To me, that's the first guy, a young right. guy in my mind, that's like, this kid can be really good. Give me a young guy from the secondary. Um, I was going to say Luke Reimer um, at linebacker. linebacker. I like him, but in the secondary – Quentin Newsom, I still think, is somebody that they're high on. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he was the only one that didn't redshirt. I mean, they have plans for him. No Paul Gates. I'll be curious kind of what happens with him in year two. He he went through a fairly significant surgery Mm -hmm. um, where I think he's going to be lucky to be able to do much this spring. So I don't know what kind of read we'll have on him this spring, which – that's not good. I mean, you'd like to have a better idea where he's going to factor in in this whole thing. Uh, but Newsom would be my my guy right now in the secondary. And you get the linebackers. Uh, I think Reimer's a good a good example. I uh, you know didn't redshirt was great on special teams. Uh, we saw flashes here and there of him late in games where you know he he's going 100 miles an hour. And once he kind of figures out that defense, I think he's going to be a guy that. Uh, you're not going to view as a walk-on for very long. Um, you know, they, they've got Honus coming back. They've got uh, Colin Miller coming back. But they want to have four guys in that in, inside linebacker rotation. I think he's got as good of a shot as uh, anybody to, to play early in that group. If I'd have told you that Jackson Hanna wasn't being discussed right. at this point, you'd be pretty surprised last year, right? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy that, you know, based on his offer list, um, you know, he, he needed to, to add size, I think, in the in the mm-hmm. offseason. And that's why you didn't see him. But uh, I, I was surprised that you didn't kind of see him in that the, the four-game special sure. teams rotation where we saw guys like Snodgrass and uh, some of those other guys uh, this season. So uh, you know it's going to be a, he's going to need a big spring uh, to get in that conversation because we've seen Henrik, uh, yep. we've seen uh, Reimer, so he, he's going to have to come along. Even a guy like Joey Johnson got out there and got a little bit of play as well. On the offensive side, we talk a lot about the wide receivers. J.D. Spielman, hopefully back as we expect him to be. Who else out of the young guys? Next year. I mean, yeah, you'd like to see more. I mean, I, I would have liked to have seen more of, you know, Nance and, and some of these freshmen. Houston. Houston. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you go down the line, and we didn't get a really good feel for how good any of those freshmen were other than Wondell Robinson. Um, but that's where, you know, Omar Manning or Xavier Betts, I mean, they're going to need something to kind of come up there because, 
you know, I don't think they have enough as it stands today where you're like, this is going to be better than they were a year ago. They, they need to develop and find more guys for the future of that receiver room. Outs, uh, offensive line, I, I think we have an idea of some of the guys, but all those positions are probably open as well. Any young guy you think maybe contribute? Yeah, Ben Hart and Piper. Yeah, yeah those are my two favorites. You know, just to see how they're going to structure that offensive line. Obviously, we know Hymas is played a lot you know do you, do you go with the hicks and you know um or do you throw a piper over there um cam jurgens probably locked in right to center and then but piper can play like can. center as well so but obviously if you're moving a, a guy like cam jurgens center he better be playing center in my opinion move farniak maybe down to right guard and put benhart i think it's gonna be really interesting to see the 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 what, what that looks gonna look you know those what numbers are gonna be amongst those five mm. um this spring but benhart and piper i mean that's it could be it could be really big yeah. Really big offensive line, which is which is good. You get the eyebacks. We still call them eyebacks. Uh, we can. Okay, there's no fullbacks. The running backs. You, get uh, you know, Ramir Johnson. I mean, we he, he's probably the obvious one. Yep. Uh, you know, they've got the two guys in the in the recruiting class too, Sevian Morrison um, and uh, I'm blanking on the Scott. Scott. Yeah, yeah. Marvin Scott. Marvin third. Scott. Um, I think both of those guys are going to have an opportunity. But you know, we saw Ramir Johnson at Maryland. Um, you know, I, I thought he looked. Uh, comfortable. Uh, he's going to have to put on a little bit of weight, I think. But, uh, you know, if one of those guys can emerge that allows you to move Wandale around a lot more than having to, to rely on him so much at running back. I mean, he, he was great there. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But he's not going to take that punishment um, in the Big Ten game after game. And, and, and that kind of may, allows you to maybe uh, alleviate some question marks at wide receiver as well if you can put, put him over there. We're going to do recruiting in the next segment with Sean, but give me a, a- Crystal ball prediction. Give me somebody that maybe will surprise people you expect to sign. Uh, you know, the, the guy that visited this past weekend, Jordan Riley, the, the defensive tackle out of Garden oh. City, he was the guy that was kind of off the radar a little bit, had been at North Carolina, um, isn't in the class yet, but is, is nearing a decision, a two-for-two two guy. And I think, you know, as good as guys like Ty Robinson uh, has been, I think if you can add a guy like that out of the junior college ranks sure. – Add a little bit more depth that 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 allows you to, to increase competition there, and you know I, I think that might be a, maybe a little bit of an overlooked need is just a, a little bit more of a veteran presence on that defensive line in this class. Yeah, well, remember to hydrate. Next week's gonna be very busy for you guys. <laughs> Lots of coffee, yeah, no doubt. Thanks, Spencer. We appreciate it. Coming up next, Sean's gonna help us break down all the latest developments coming up in the early signing period as it approaches next week. But first, another look at the 2019 season. Images courtesy of Hale Varsity. We're back soon. Severe joined by Sean Callahan. Before we talk about the guys coming on, let's talk about guys going off. Jamari Hodge decided that Nebraska wasn't him, or maybe it was the coaches? Yeah, it was kind of a deal. A couple of things. I think there was maybe one academic question still, and a new rule that's come into effect recently. You have to have a 2.5 at your JUCO in order to go into a Division One school. That makes sense. And, you know, before it was just your 60 hours and get admitted in to school. So, there was a grade on one class. I think Nebraska had some questions on, and um, that's it's a tough deal because, you know, I, I think the kid was pretty heartbroken about it, and the coaching staff there was pretty surprised. But you know, just like prospects can walk away from schools, schools can kind of walk away from from prospects. I think that's what happened here in this case. We also could say that there's some other guys that came on the scene in Nebraska right as well. Yeah, I think a few things have happened that maybe we don't even know about right now that led to this as well because. Very rarely do you find a four for three JUCO linebacker that's an early enrollee like he's he was going to be, where you were going to get three years of eligibility out of him, and um, where you say, you know what, this is not going to work. Um, it's going to have to take something fairly significant, and I think right. that that's obviously happening. So about Omar Manning, he's the big wide receiver. Everybody talks about he got an offer from A and M this past. Yeah, week. and Omar Manning is really hard to follow in recruiting because he doesn't, um, you know, do interviews really. His coaches talked to us a few times, but. He did make a tweet last night that he picked up a new offer from A&M. Um, they essentially got about one week to recruit him now, and 
I said, I'll say this: when you get a coach that make that has a seventy-five million dollar contract, and Jimbo <laughs> Fisher, right? I mean, they're, they're not going to take no very easily. So yeah, I, I am a little concerned for Nebraska because I do think Nebraska is the leader. This is the number one junior college receiver. I'd compare it to almost a Maurice Purify many, many years ago, coming out out of the ranks. Mm-hmm. That big body, immediate 50-50 ball guy that they don't have. And with A&M coming in, it will be interesting to see because obviously he's in Kilgore. Um, I don't know how far that is from College Station, but um, a couple hours away. He's pretty close to yeah. A&M right now down there, and it, it, you know, there, there's going to be some, you know, with Fisher and those guys. It, it, I'll be curious how hard they come at him. Yeah, busy weekend obviously this past weekend in terms of visitors. A lot of JUCO guys. What did, what did you take away from it? I think Nebraska moved some pieces. You know, as you look at the visitors that were in this weekend uh, for Nebraska, um, you know, Jamari Butler, um, you know, he decommitted from Tennessee yep. um, after his visit to Nebraska. A good sign. Scott Frost was in the living room last night for him. So I like their chances there on the Mobile Alabama product. He's a borderline four-star guy right on the cusp. I look at Eva Mag- Magua. Um, I'm probably Eva. Eva? Tiva. Eva. Tiva is how it's, I know that's how the, the guy that was at USC's name was pronounced, Tiva Manga. But he was the conference player of the year, and he's nasty. I oh. mean, this is a guy that LSU wanted. Um, yep. You know, they, they were recruiting him. Bill Bush loved him. And he could play inside or outside and probably, right? So I think once they got on him, that played a factor. And then this is your guy. Darius. Darius. <laughs> I love that. Uh, NC State commit. Nebraska was in the home um, as well this week with him. Um, you know, a big body. He's he's maybe not 270, which is probably a good thing. He looks taller than 6'2", though. Yeah, I mean, his height and weight just don't seem accurate when you look at that on paper compared to watching him on film. Mm-hmm. And then Jordan Riley, the former North Carolina Tar Heel, uh, he was in Lincoln this past weekend as well um, down at Garden City. I like their chances right now of that group. I think Butler and Riley, very good chances. Um Magua as well. Um, I think Nebraska's, I mean, really all four of these guys I think could end up in the class. Because of Tony Tuyoti, we're going to see more of the Polynesian kids that are going to end up here, right? Do you feel that? I think so. I mean, they've tried to, to, to kind of build that community and, you know, they've got a coach, obviously, um, that, that, you know, has the familiarity with the culture. So that's going to play a big factor. What about this upcoming weekend? We yeah, got? similar type of weekend. When you, when you look at this upcoming weekend, um, some final pieces here. Nebraska's bringing in Alante Brown will be in actually tomorrow. He's coming in for an early visit. And then Nico Cooper, another edge rusher out of uh, Hutchinson Community College. Um, Marks. He looks great on tape, by the way. He stands out, jumps off the tape. Then you have Marks, a um, Mississippi Joquavius. State commit uh, out, of, out of Atlanta. Um, and this one, too, uh, another uh, Polynesian uh, defensive tackle out of Idaho, which, you know, I don't know the last time Nebraska's actually gotten a recruit out of state of Idaho. I don't know. I mean, I, I can't think of it. You know, BYU does great in Iowa in Idaho because they have a school up there. BYU-Idaho's up there. I know they've always done a good job, but I don't remember Nebraska getting anybody. I mean, uh, I can only recall one offer, maybe maybe two offers in my time covering mm-hmm. Nebraska recruiting that was from the state of Idaho. So yeah. um, pretty rare uh, to, to go up into Idaho, but, you know, you don't have a lot of competition there either. Um, so it will be interesting to see how this weekend plays out. Um, I expect a very busy you know, Tuesday, Wednesday. Signing day is obviously Wednesday next week, so eight days from now. And a lot of these guys might hold out until close to signing day, if not signing day. Yeah. In-state recruit Tyson Gordon, a guy who's been down on campus a number of times. Yeah, Tyson Gordon, a North Dakota State um, commit. Um, very, very talented athlete. Um, you know, great basketball player as well as football player. He's won a state championship, I believe, in both sports uh, for Scott Catholic. Just the second guy in their school's history to sign a Division One scholarship out of high school. Now, they've got um, the guy on the Husker team right now that came as a walk-on, uh, but Christian Dudzik and Tyson Gordon are the only two Scott Skyhawks that have signed Division One scholarships. Coincidentally, they both went to North Dakota State, and Dudzik was also a defensive back, a four-year starter for the Bison years ago when they won national t- championships there under Craig Bull. Uh, Gordon will come in there, I think, has a lot of potential. This is a guy that's basically played three sports his entire life. Once he focuses just on football, that body is going to really, really develop. And he's got natural instincts. I mean, he was a leading guy in the state in interceptions, was a great receiver. Then he switched to quarterback this year. Um, and it was kind of a deal where he was their best athlete. You know, he won them the state championship a year ago um, against Scott's Bluff. He told Matt Terman, throw me the football. I'm going to catch a touchdown. They did. This year he was the quarterback. He had an interception, I believe, in the championship game as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Real quick, Isaac Gifford, what do you think is going to happen in Nebraska? 
I mean, gosh, it, making a lot of pushes. I know Luke, his brother, is pushing pretty hard. Here's what's going on, though. He, he is an early enrollee. Right. So he's signing in eight days right. somewhere. Yeah. And he's got Wyoming. He's got Colorado State. They don't have a coach right now, so that's yeah. a little hard. Oregon State, Trent Bray's up there. So he's got options. Uh, but with Nebraska, I think the debate is – where do you put them? Is it linebacker, inside, outside, or is it safety? And yeah. I think that's probably where the debate amongst the staff is, is like if you only have one spot at that particular position, any of those groups, do you use it on Isaac Gifford or do you stay on these guys that we're just watching? And I think that's where the debate is. Or can Scott Frost come in and say, I've got the 51% here. He's an athlete. We're taking him. Yes. No questions asked. We'll take him. You know, and, and maybe that plays out um, here by the weekend. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but I think that's how it could happen. I hope that happens. Thanks, Sean. We appreciate it. Be Be sure to vote on this week's sideline survey. Do you think Nebraska improved from 2018 to 2019? The current numbers show 58% say yes, just didn't see the results in the win column. 16% say five wins is more than four. And no, still a losing season. Make sure you go to the wrap-up website to cast your vote. One guy we didn't mention, Colorado State, uh, German uh, transfer student that came in, ended up going to Colorado State, was offered to walk on. What's his situation now in terms of Nebraska? Nuri Nueli, um, you know, put his name in the transfer portal Monday at Colorado State with Mike Bobo's firing there. Um, you know, his host family was in Norris. His host's roommate um, that he lived with, Ashton Hausman, is walking on at Nebraska. So, obviously, Nebraska is home to him, um, you know, with, with the people here that he knows around the program. Um, got to know Adam Akis very well. And, obviously, Joey Hausman, both former walk-on players in the program at Nebraska. And, um, you know, I, I think he wants to come here. Uh, I do think something is going to work out. Um, it wouldn't surprise me by the weekend if we find out where that goes. But um, I think his intention all along was to come here. It's a matter of, you know, can they make an agreement where he could walk on for a year then get a scholarship right away year two? Um, that's the debate. But he's a great athlete, Michael. 6'4", close to 300 pounds, started seven games at Colorado State as a true freshman. That's big. Two years of organized football, runs a five-flat 40 with a 31-inch vertical. I mean, that, impressive. That's, that's very impressive. He's just, just starting as a freshman. I mean, the fact that he's only played two years of organized football and he's able to start seven games at the Division One level, that's it's very, very impressive. He started week that, one. That just shows you the athlete and how well he can take the yeah. coaching. I mean, that's, that's very important. A question from um, one of our uh, callers. Who do you think is going to be the starting place kicker next year? <laughs> <laughs> the guy from Iowa Western? Yeah, probably, probably yes. I mean, I, yeah, I ran into Alex Henry, of all things. We were in the Santa Claus line with our kids last night. And we, were, <laughs> we were talking about that, who, yeah. who um, the starting kicker was going to be. He says be. people ask him all the time if he's got any eligibility left. It, 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 all the time, yeah. It's, um, Here's a list of the guys who kicked this year. And, of course, the, the kid from Iowa Western is not on there yet. But Harrison Martin said yesterday that he was just honored to have a chance. And, of course, Matt Waldock into the season perfect. So maybe he should get a shot. So six pickering. guys, as you see there, made yeah. kicks this year. From 04 to 17, six kickers made kicks for Nebraska. Incredible. Absolutely. And that was Adi Kanalik in there as well. Uh-huh. He, he got maybe two or three attempts in his career. So really it was just five kickers over 14 to 17 at Nebraska. And we had six this year. Um, you know, get opportunities in games. How does the special teams get better? This is two years where you could say special yeah. teams cost games. It's attention. It's effort, and attention to detail. I think every uh, coach has got to get more more involved. I think was it 2014? Yes, Bo, Bo took over. finally took over. Mm-hmm. The, the punt returns have been were atrocious. Yep. He finally took over. You know, then he, I think that was um, Demarty Pearsonells. He's able to break out and have you know, four or five punt returns that year for touch. It's got to be effort, and it's got to be attention. you got to find guys that want to do it. Special teams is, is, is all about guys. It's not fun. Playing special teams is not sexy, but you find guys, young guys who have talent, Luke Reimers, and you have the speed and athleticism, but you find guys that want to do it and want to be a part of it and want to go out there and play and do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, you can run down. You know, you run down fast, and you, get, you still have to be physical. you got to be under control. You understand you got to play off of each other because you can get kind of crazy and hectic. You know, people are crisscrossing. Um, you got to play smart. But I think everybody, including all the staff, has got to kick it up a notch. And I think there's these little things that get overseen because you think your offense can kind of cover things yeah. and hide things. It ain't going to happen in the Big Ten, in my opinion. You're just not going to hide it. You're not going to have these you know, 50, 60 points a game where you can, eh, we can worry about that. We'll just cover up another touchdown. Not That's, AAU. Yeah, cor- yeah, right. yeah, correct. It's just, you, it's, it's little things in special teams and just find the guys that want to do it. I think that's, that's, that's the biggest thing in my opinion. Not necessarily based on the star ranking, but if you were going to give me the best player from this 2020 class, who do you think it's going to be? That's what Gabe asked on Facebook. I think Turner Corcoran out of Kansas is really good. Um, I mean, Oklahoma won him bad, you know, and he, he picked Nebraska. Um, he's a guy that's going to be here early. 
Um, that's one immediately that jumps out. And Xavier Betts, I mean, I think out of Bellevue West, um, you know, he could have played right now for Nebraska this year as a high school senior and, and been better than some of the guys they have. I mean, he's better to me by a wide margin than guys like Cade Warner, and he's a high school kid right now. And, you know, he could be on the field um, next year if he gets his academics in line and, and, and I think make a pretty big impact as a freshman. Interesting question uh, we had on Facebook, and we also had a person asking about it as well. Do you think if things are open in quarterback, Adrian wins the job, keeps the job, they start they use Luke as a wide receiver? So we saw it a little bit this year, a need, right? They had to use him in that couple games, but do you think we see him? I don't think so. I mean, I think he's a quarterback. Such that's a good athlete. That's where he wants to be. But a lot of it depends on if Vedral stays around, too, because, you know, let's just say Adrian wins the job or Luke wins the job. Not all three guys are probably staying in Lincoln. One of, the, one of them is going to leave. Noah Vedral graduates, so he could, he could be a two-year grad, grad transfer, transfer if he wants to be. So um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't think that's really on the plan for the McCaffreys, why he came here. I sure. think he wants to be a quarterback. I think he could use him in some similar situations. I mean, he's not Taysom Hill. You know, people are talking about use him in that type of role. He's not. I mean, Taysom Hill's pick and physical. Yeah. Um, as the Saints kind of use him. Um, I think he could use him in some special packages. But, again, it's like, okay, McCaffrey's in, heads up, trick play alert, you know, something. But if you're short at wide receiver again, and he's, he's a guy you can lean on and can do it, then he provides the speed and athleticism. But I agree with Sean. You don't, you don't want to have to force him into that, in that role. You want to be able to develop some wide receivers and get them going. What do you remember from the Joe Burrow situation? <laughs> going back to whether it be Bo Pelini, Mike Riley, Scott in terms of a transfer, what do, you, what do you remember from that? Well, I mean, full disclosure, I've known Jimmy, his father, you know, for a long time. Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked regularly since 04, so I've heard about Joe for many, many sure. years and how good Joe was when he was a freshman and a sophomore. And I created his Rivals.com profile, put him in our system, and Checked off his first offer when Ohio offered him a yeah. scholarship, and Jimmy, Dad's team. Jimmy's like, "We offered Joe, we got it, put it on the page for me, and we got him." So I mean, I, I go pretty far back with following Joe's recruiting, and um, you know, I, he was coming off a very good junior season, but still didn't have any offers mm-hmm. because I think the fact that he was a coach's son, and people were a little hesitant to offer him, not knowing, you know, maybe he's just going to play with his dad in college or, or whatnot, or he lacked just enough to get early, early offers as a recruit. Um, and, you know, Nebraska could have got him. I mean, sure. he, he wanted to come to Nebraska. Um, Bo Pelini and Tim Beck and those guys, they, they chose that Kevin Dillman over him at the time. And I know there's a theory out there that they were in on Lamar Jackson. but I, Lamar, Lamar's dad said they, he looked at it. He was, I and that, to, that's why they didn't offer Joe Burrow. But That's not the reason. Um, yeah. I mean, they could have had right. Joe Burrow in the summer, and, right. and they did it. And then Mike Riley tried. It was too late. Right. And Scott Frost, as we have know, you know, they had Adrian signed yeah. at that point. Appreciate it. Thanks, yeah, guys. Thank you. Uh, of course, we'll be back again until next year. So mark your calendars. Take a look at the entire 2020 recruiting class, at least the folks, you know, signed first, of course, in the early signing and then on National Signing Day. Our recruiting special is set for February 6th at 7 p.m. You don't want to miss it. We'll look at the new batch of Huskers. Sean Callahan will be here. Nate Klaus will be here as well from HuskerOnline.com. Our thanks to Michael Brunts, Hannah, the boys in the call center. For Jay Moore, Sean Callahan, I'm Michael Severe. Happy holidays. We'll see you next time on Big Red Wrap-Up.